Welcome to the future of email. I'm Dr. Matthew Dunn, founder and CEO of Campaign Genius. We help email platforms grow by giving their customers the power of real-time visual media in their email marketing. We believe that email is the critical civil media channel today for business and commerce. This podcast features the leading innovators in email marketing. Stick around to the end. I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the Cutting Edge Podcast on the future of email. Let's go. Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the Future of Email Marketing. And my guest today is Doug C. Brown, CEO of Business Success Factors. And it's Doug, not Douglas, right? Uh, well, if you're my mother, you'll call me Douglas, but uh, for my most mom, people. My mom calls me Matt, and I make everyone else call me Matthew. Matthew, so. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome. Doug's in uh, snowy New Hampshire, and I'm in, I'm in sunny Washington, so how weird is this? <laughs> uh, Doug, um, orient people a bit about, I mean, I read your background, which is really something, and we'll ask a bunch of questions about that. Or, orient them a bit about what, you're, what you focus on now. I focus on sales revenue growth for companies. Okay. So it's, you know, sometimes that encompasses certain parts of sales, mm -hmm. like uh, as far as even training, right? Mm -hmm. So I do do those type of things. But what I really do is I look at a company, I assess what's going on. I look at the whole customer journey. I figure out where do they have places that they can monetize that they're not monetizing today. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so, because most companies, most people in life, we all have blind spots and yeah, sure. I've never ever in the 20 years I've been doing this, never have seen a company that doesn't have a blind spot. Right. Um, and so most of them, you know, have several of them. And so what we do is we assess everything. Then we figure out, are they able to grow? And if they are, then we help them put a plan together to grow. And many times they'll want us to implement the plan. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually what I do with uh, larger companies. Mm -hmm. Smaller companies, I run a, a university on uh, sales revenue growth and conversational sales mastery. So I combine that together because, you know, the companies like Intuit and Procter & Gamble, they have deeper pockets than, a, sure. say, a company doing, you know, $300,000 a year who still the same information applies. Hmm. It just... Um, you know, how do we deliver in a cost-effective manner for both of us at that point? Right, right. What are there are there blind spots that you've come to expect? Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. So over time, right? I mean, you know, I, I remember Tony Robbins saying when I was listening to Tony one time, he's like, you know, uh, I've worked with over whatever it was, 70 million people or whatever. So, you know, these common themes come out on sure. a consistent basis. And yeah. it's the same thing with companies. I mean, I've worked with tens of thousands of businesses. Wow. So I start to see the overlap. Um, you know, I see the overlap of what's not really working, what is working, mm -hmm. where are the most common mistakes. So, you know, I'll give you an example. Companies are dropping the ball a lot on something as simple as referrals. They don't have an active referral program into their company. It's very okay. passive. Okay. Um, uh, you know, follow-up mm -hmm. is almost non-existent in, in many companies, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, re-engagement of old clients or dormant clients, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
you know, through the use of follow-up, through the use of contact. But so there's, there's these bl- those type of blind spots that are, you know, everybody goes, well, that makes sense. Then there's the huge, like, okay, we got a people issue uh, blind spot, right? Where I remember I went into a company one time and they had somebody that was their top salesperson. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to get rid of this person at all, which mm-hmm. is fine. But this person was the biggest disruption to the rest of the sales team. Oh, and they couldn't figure out why the rest of the sales team wasn't performing because mm-hmm. they seemed like skilled people. Mm-hmm. And so I told the owner, look, you need to move this gentleman down the trough a little bit or into a different division. Let's just move him off. Like you don't have to fire him, mm-hmm. just keep him. And as soon as we, um, you know, that, that was a fight for like three or four weeks. Yeah. And then after that, they moved this gentleman. They just said, you know, trust me, just try it. Right. Yeah. So they moved this and all of a sudden productivity and sales started picking up in month one in wow. their sales division. So what okay. was happening was these sales reps were coming back and they're talking about, it, but this guy was so mean, so nasty to the rest of the team right? that the team was just kind of checking out and they didn't, yeah. they didn't push forward. Okay. Okay. Lost, lost, lost the motive and that dominant personality is hard to get away from kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, I mean, there, there's, Every salesperson is a different type of personality. You know, mm. sometimes, you know, if you ask somebody, what's a salesperson? They go, well, it's slimy used car, you know, peddler, right? Right. And a lot of people will think of a salesperson like that. But in reality, there, there are different types of personalities and different ways of selling. Mm-hmm. Um, w- one of the great books I've ever read in my lifetime uh, was by Blair Singer. It's called Sales Dogs, actually. And he compares each individual salesperson to a breed of dog. And so sales dogs, sales dogs. Yeah. It was a great read. Um, (laughs) And, you know, so some people are pit bulls, some people are golden retrievers, some people are poodles, some people, Uh you know, so like the pit bull just gets in there and just, you know, grabs a hold of it and just starts shaking it. And, you know, it's more disruptive. (laughs) Um, You know, the poodle uh, is the, you know, I'm putting on the air. I, I, I have to drive in, in the most fancy car, the best suits, right. Right. Um, You know, with the golden retriever or the Labrador or whatever, it's just like, you know, pat me, love me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm your best friend, you know? So every, everybody has their own personality and we tend to, um, use that personality when we're selling. So yeah, yeah. sometimes it just doesn't line up in a team atmosphere. Well, it sounds like you had a, sounds like you had an alpha dog or identified an alpha dog problem <laughs> at that one company, right? Interesting. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, cause I knew you had this deep background in, in sales and helping companies be effective at sales. Um, and we could put this in the context of you know, last year in pandemic shift or or maybe a few more years, you know, more and more mediated and digital communication, less and less face to face. But how is it how is it affecting the the cycle and the process of sales where where we're all quite inundated with messages and requests for our attention? Sure. I mean, again, you know, the purpose of a message is to get you know, attention, right? So we got to, we got to, we, we first make connection and we've got to get some type of attention. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is it a positive response from the receiver as the attention or mm-hmm. a negative response? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what a lot of people don't think about is they, <laughs> I just got two or three emails like this, you know, Matthew, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, hi, I'm, you know, 
Joe from ABC Company. Uh, we do this for our clients. Uh, we're great because our clients say we're great. Here's what the great things that our clients say. Yeah. Uh, I know if you do business with us, you'll you'll be one of our great clients. You know, it's just the kind of a theme. It's like all about them. Them. Yes. Yes. Right. And so those those emails immediately, most people, including myself, just go, yeah, bye. bye. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and and so they never get the chance because today more than ever, it used to be important. But today, more than ever, building a relationship and building rapport mm -hmm. is far more important than it ever was. And part of the reason behind that is exactly what you said, the shift, the internet. Mm. Because people years ago, the seller actually had the information and they could oh, withhold yeah. that from the buyer. Yeah, yeah. Right? And use it strategically to their advantage. If you yeah. think, I just bought a new automobile and... um you know, I went there and I was talking with the sales rep. But if you think about it now, as a buyer myself, I go up on the internet, I search out everything. I go, what's the safety ratings? What's this? What's that? You know, what features do they have? Yeah, yeah. And and so when I walked into the dealership, you know, I was asking the salesperson questions like, okay, so in this model, the heated seats, are they also cooled? Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> right, because I want my... I want my wife to be comfortable in the wintertime. I want my wife to be comfortable in the summertime. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? So, but he's saying things to me like, I didn't know we had those, you know, cooling seats. Right. Because and you probably also went in informed about, sorry to cut you off, but you probably also went in informed about sales incentives and interest rate percentages, et cetera. Like you were as informed about the sales process and that asymmetry of knowledge has flipped over. Yeah. And, and, and so in any situation now that we're selling, most situations, we have to play win-win and we have to be yeah. there and say, okay, what are the problems, fears, frustrations, wants, desires, needs, mm -hmm. must-haves uh, that my potential buyer mm -hmm. wants? Mm -hmm. And so if we don't identify those things, then what people tend to do is they start pitching into their product or pitching into their service yeah. and they're missing the real agenda because behind every buying decision is a personal mission of some sort, personal agenda of some sort. Oh, okay. You know, so somebody who might be buying something, I don't know, high end for a manufacturing company, for example, mm -hmm. you know, um, they, you know, they're going to spend, I don't know, millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Um, they know that they might have to buy that, but their personal agenda might be to keep their job. Right, right. <laughs> right. And so if their personal agenda is to keep their job, I want to know why. Right. Because, you know, the more I can understand what the person um, is feeling, the more I can help that person to lower that fear and increase the buying confidence in that uh, buying scenario. Chase that thread for a moment, if you don't mind. And intersect back with the with the you know cold email that you mentioned that you get that I get that everybody yeah gets how how does that how does that uh, sender who's who's trying some degree of mass outreach you know poke 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 can sure. I get a response even if they were very diligent about identifying likely fits how do they open the conversation and start the relationship so that some sense of what do you need what's your mission in this. <laughs> 
starts to play a role in, in a longer conversation. Yeah, uh, it, it's firstly, we have to send something to them that makes them go, wow, I want to know more about this. Okay. Right. Because if they go, eh, so what? Then it yeah. gets deleted or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So with, with a cold email, firstly, we want to figure out what are the most common pain points that are happening with the industry. So if I was to send a cold email, which I, I haven't done in, in a while, mm-hmm. but if I was to, to start that process again, um, then I would send out and say, you know, Matthew, you and I don't know one another. This is a cold email. Mm-hmm. Uh, pl- you know, if you'd read the next two lines, it'll tell you exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to have a conversation on and around this, I'd be open to setting one up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, thanks for your consideration. Right. right. That would be something. And in that two or three lines, it'd be like, well, Matthew, are, you know, are, if you're looking for, you know, your sales to grow in this capacity, you know, are, are you frustrated with the current revenue growth of your company? Are you frustrated with the current sales team that you have? Mm-hmm. Do you know you can be doing better, but you're either not sure why it's not better or you do understand and you're not sure how to implement it? Right, right. If any of these three apply to you, then I think I can help you. Yeah. Right. Okay. And, and you know, if you're interested, that would be my type of, of outreach because mm-hmm. I want to build a relationship with this person. Um, I just did this recently. So the second thing that I would do is, I didn't reach out cold with this person, but it was people who referred me to these people. So I reached out to them, which was sort of cold, but it wasn't cold. Right. And I had that type of email that went out similar, yeah. um, you know, and I referenced the person obviously to get some familiarity, yeah. but the, the second, so the, the second one I sent out was something to help them. Right. Right. I actually came across a resource that had a book that I could get the book for pretty much free. Mm-hmm. And I sent out and I said, listen, you know, in the industry, this is, seems to be what is happening. And I found this book specifically on it. Mm-hmm. I just like to, you know, if you want, you can just click on the link, download it off the site mm-hmm. and it won't cost you anything, but I think it'll answer questions for you if you ever have these. Nice. Right. So it's about building the relationship. And I have a company right now that uh, they're, they're a bigger not huge, but bigger company. They're doing, you know, 500 million a year. And, you know, I was able to help the CEO actually get published in something. Okay. Right. And so depending on what level you're playing will depend on what you're willing to spend to acquire that client. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, on a $500 million company, that's probably worth somewhere between 200,000 and a half million dollars or so to right. my company, right? Right, right, yeah. Um, to help them. And if that's the case, then I'm more than happy to spend $5,000 to acquire that client. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's it's one of those things that we have to look at what our, our return on our investment will be and then mm-hmm. determine on what we're going to do. You know, I'm more than happy if, if, it, if it gets a CEO on a call with me that I have to spend $500 or $1,000 to get them published in- Forbes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's a good bonding point. And so yeah. now the conversation shifts from, okay, who are you kid to, <laughs> you know, okay, I like you kid, you know, you still haven't proved to me everything, but I'm now there. I'm up, I'm up on the hierarchy a little more in their uh, likability scale. And so from there, then I can continue to keep doing it. But I, I do this consistently. Sometimes I will just send an email out 
uh, and this works great. Let's say you don't have anybody that you, you haven't talked to them in a while. We all have these, you know, people in our life, right? Yeah. I just send out a simple one-liner. Hey, I was thinking of you. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how you and your life are doing. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Nice. Right? Yeah. A- and. Amazing, uh, you know, ninety-five percent of the time or whatever it is, it's high. Um, I got a response. Wow. Hey, you know, Doug, I was thinking about you last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, blah blah blah. How's this or how's that or yeah. you know what are you up to these days? Right, I love that right, question. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is uh, so it's about personalization and it's about building a relationship more than ever because with the with the the pandemic shift, it was coming anyways with the internet, but with the pandemic, companies have now figured out, wow, you know what? We don't have to pay all this high square footage or high square per meter right. you know, cost. We're going to sell our building. We're going to sell this building for you know $30 million. We're going to take that money. We're going to let people work remotely because we're getting the same level of productivity or even better or even in better, some cases. Yeah. yeah. So that's what a lot of, uh, of companies are doing. So it's going to continue to be more remote. Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely accelerated the, the, the shift to, as you said, you know, uh, more remote, more, you know, more, more through communication channels, less face to face, you know, live conferences are off the table for a while, right. a while, a while to come. Um, and those are all big changes. I think of them as even bigger changes for people who do do or did a lot of face-to-face sales than, than for com- other jobs, other functions. Well, exactly. I agree with you. And building rapport is different virtually yeah. than it is face-to-face. Yeah. You can't yeah. hug somebody. You can't yeah. shake their hand. You know, you can't. Can't have um, a beer and chit-chat. Exactly, honestly. right? You can't. So when you're doing, one's doing it virtually, mm. we have to, I would say, communicate better. We always wanted to communicate, but it's really about what I would call active or proactive, um, positive communication, Mm -hmm. right? So we're giving feedback to the person on a much deeper level than we would. So like if somebody said something like, you know, hey, uh, hey, Doug, thanks. You know, you just got promoted, right? Um, An active, constructive feedback on something like that would be like, you know, you, you coming up to me and saying, hey, Doug, you know what? I heard about your promotion. Listen, dude, you really deserved it. You come in here early. You leave late. Um, you're the first guy in. You're always a team player. You absolutely deserve the promotion. That would be an active constructive. Okay. Um, you know, a, a an active destructive would be something like, uh, you know, hey, Doug, uh, congratulations on the promotion. I bet the uh, I bet I bet we needed some people at the top without hair. <laughs> so, something like that, right? You make it trying to be hairline. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, I lost mine at 28. So it's kind of like so did my dad. <laughs> so and, you know, perfect heads don't need hair. No, that's thank you. Thank you. And um, so you know, but there's there's also like passive constructive feedback, which would be something like, you know, hey Doug, good for you. Uh, I'm really happy for you. Right. That would be kind of passive. And then we have the passive destructive feedback, which is, oh, well, you know, uh, they had too many women on staff. I'm sure that that's the reason. Right. It's Uh, like it's so we we in the digital world and a lot of people 
I don't believe it figured this out yet, Matthew, but in the digital world, the more we can stay in the active, constructive Constructive. side of the fence, Uh the more people will be drawn to us. Which, which implies if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, you know, listening and learning here, well, it, it's, it, it puts a burden on you to actually have, have some knowledge of, I mean, it's the essence of relationship, right? Knowledge of the other person, knowledge of the situation, because a, a, an obviously made up or, you know, BS, active, constructive is probably going to misfire. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's <laughs> pandering or if it's, yeah. uh, you know, if it's, yeah, right. The people are going to sniff it out. It has to be sincere. So it's relevant, sincere, honest communication Yeah, when yeah. it comes down to it. And most people really appreciate that because most people have an agenda to hide something. Mm. I teach all my clients when we're selling, mm. we're going to be the first to disengage if this isn't the right thing. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why would we do that? Because if you don't do that, you're going to call that person that you sold because mm. you were skilled enough to sell them. You're going to call them a bad client. Mm. Yeah. And the reality is there, there are no bad clients. There are bad decisions on the actual acquisition of a client, which leads to a problematic issue later on. Right. But I've never, I've never met anybody who's a bad client. Um, I just, you know, bad decisions on the front end. We took this on, we were reaching, we know we shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, now look, we're doing 10 times more of the work and they're always complaining. Well, <laughs> no kidding, because it wasn't well qualified <laughs> or disqualified. I had a young young uh, developer on our team here who and I had him sit in on a call with uh, early early discussion with uh, a company that was a potential client and and they asked for something I can't even remember what it was but I said no and later on he's like well, you said no to that request and I said well right. you know a the correct answer was no b if I said yes we're dead right huh? like we're just dead so we might as well be pretty clear that there are some boundaries up front. We're not going to do everything in the world to win their business if, if it's going to ruin us. So you know, fair is fair, and we got to be in the we got to be in the mindset if like if this is a great business relationship, it's mutually beneficial. If it's not, let's not do it. Be willing to say no. Well, a lot of people. I mean, that's the best way, right? I, to me, it's the best way. It's it's you know. There's something called quality of life. And, you know, because we have, (laughs) you know, 20 extra clients that are driving us insane and ruining on our quality of life or even two, right? I mean, it's, it's just not worth it. And in the, in the reality I find is most people who are in that mentality that they take things that they don't, um, they don't or shouldn't take, Mm -hmm. uh, don't want to, but do anyways. Um, most of the time they just don't have enough lead flow. They just, they're, they're not prospecting enough. They're not driving an overabundance of leads so that they can be the person who screens through them first to get to the right ones. Right, right. And that's usually what I find the challenge to be. Is is enough, challenge to be enough lead flow to actually make that sort of better scaled decision for both of you? Right. I mean, think of it as, let's say there's 50 perfect leads, but there's 500 almost perfect leads, right? And you have 
only those 50 that you can work. So you, you know, now we're going to like, man, I got to hit quota. I got to do this. I got to do that. We're going to try to twist them in in any way we can. Yeah. yeah. Um, not me, but a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and you know, but if I had 500 and they were all talking to me, I'm going to be a heck of a lot more relaxed and a lot more clear about what I want, what I don't want at that point, because I know my odds are better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you can, if you can get the leads going to a place and then get more quality leads in the, in the front end, mm-hmm. then what ends up happening is you have more quality conversations. As we have more quality conversations, those lead to either presentations or if you do it right, you don't even have to have a presentation. It leads to sales. Hmm. And, but it's all, it all starts on the front end, but salespeople in general or people selling, they don't think about the whole customer journey. And that includes how they're bringing them in. Right. right. So, you know, they might get a lead handed off from marketing, for example, but they have no idea what the marketing was actually doing. They've never read it. They yeah. don't know yeah. what what's in it. They just know they got a lead. And that's where part of the challenge, uh, you know, comes in because marketing and sales really shouldn't be separate. They should be one unit. Totally agreed. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed. I'm curious to take this down. This may be a rabbit hole with no rabbit at the other end, but you're the, you're certainly the right guy with the expertise to, to ask about this. Um, We've got the tools of automation to try to fake it, to try to fake those uh, active, constructive conversations, to try to fake the the personal and personalized, not my favorite word, uh, thing that gets the door open. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw out an example just so we got something to kick around. Um, partially deliberately, I put the, the doctor in front of my first name inside LinkedIn in my profile. Mm-hmm. And it 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 it's a dead giveaway when I'm getting some pain in the ass robo invite, right? Like they clearly didn't read it. Hey, Doctor Matthew, uh, uh, nice try, <laughs> wrong, right? You can right. scrape it, you put it in a form, you send it to me, delete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone who does take the time to do that says, you know, oh, his name's Matthew. Got it. Great. Okay, that's better. But how do we? How do we? How do we navigate those tr- those tricky thresholds of sniffing out the genuine, the personal, the this could go somewhere for both of us from the absolute bombardment of faked? Yeah, and I think it comes back to a few different things. Number one, we we consistently we we proceed how we begin. Right. So if we are doing Dr. Matthew, you know type things, then we have now invoked a response from you, which is negative. Mm -hmm. So now we are going to proceed even with other communication as this is more challenging for you to get your attention. So Mm -hmm. the first thing is, is that if you got an email that said, uh, you know, Dr. Matthew, I've been researching the Washington area and I found you there. Um, And, you know, I also noticed that you went to ABC College uh, which is where my uncle went, um, right there would change the whole thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Because now it's not the spammy email that you will know it, it, it's going to be. Um, and, you know, so the, so we we continue. So the, the big part is when people are doing mass emails like that, and I don't recommend that people do that, especially if they're a sales 
person, it's like, look, if you want to send automated messages, it's fine, but send a few of them at a time and, and, and take a little bit of time and research the person. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I cannot tell you how many times people call upon me, never looked at my anything, LinkedIn, anything. I've had really? people call me up and go, you know, hey, what what part of the country are you in? I'm like, dude, you called me, right? <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't find this out? Yes, you could. <laughs> exactly, right? And, you know, and I have a, a Texas phone number because I used to live in Texas at one time. And, you know, I live in New Hampshire, which is where I grew up in this area, but I never got rid of my Texas number. So I know that when somebody calls me up and they go, hey, Doug, you know, listen, I, I, I see you're in Texas, right? I know they at least looked at right. that. And right. so I give them a little more of a chance. Yeah. And and with email, the same thing, the more relevancy mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, and it, by the way, it's not hard to find, right? I mean, you know, I'm a veteran of the United States Army. It's not hard to find. It's on my profiles. 12 years. 12 years. Thank you. Yeah. So it it's not hard to find that information. But if somebody sent to me and said, Hey Doug, I see you were in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the United States Army. Um, uh, you know, first, thanks for your service, or whatever they want to say, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, I find this really uh, great. Um, I appreciate you for whatever, anything like this, anything. And you know, uh, I I also see that you know by your LinkedIn profile, you live in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I'd like to tell you what I do in a couple of lines. And then if you want to read more, please do. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment, here's a link that we could talk, uh, you know, to make it convenient upon you or send me your secretary or your link or whatever. Right. And I'll be happy to. Something like that just is different than what everybody else is sending out there. You don't have to talk about your products and services. You just have to talk about what are the problems they're having, mm-hmm. make it relevant, make it consistent. Right. And the other thing is, once you start the relationship, make them laugh a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because, yeah, yeah. people love humor. You know I mean? Yeah. We love humor. So, you know, I found a, a crazy picture of um, something and I was like, man, this just made me laugh. Right. I mean, nobody's getting hurt. It's not political. It's not right. religious. Right. It's not spouse bashing, which is the three you want to definitely stay away from. Yeah. Um, it was just something that was good, clean, fun humor. And so I, I sent it to a couple of friends. I said, what do you think of this? And they said, this is hilarious. So now I use it in my correspondence. I'll send it out. You know, if you have, you know, Hey, uh, Matthew, I, I'm just sending this to you because, you know, sometimes we get so mired down in business and in life, you know, sometimes we have a few stressors. Hopefully this will make you laugh a little and lighten your day. Yeah. 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 And that's all I send. Yeah. You know, and visual one-liner. Yeah. And, and, and you know what I mean? But if people did that type of thing, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a, well, they were a client and I've trained their people and I'm in uh, good contact with some of them now and they still use humor today and they're getting into fortune 50 companies, you know, using humor. Oh, nice. Right. Because it gets them laughing. Yeah. You know, like one, one of the guys, he'll send something out and he go, geez, you know, Matthew, I've been, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I mean, it's been 12, 13 attempts. I've been trying to get a hold of you. You, you know, you're, you're, you're harder to get a hold of than my, my wife's, um, uh, you know, uh, whatever lover or yeah, whatever he yeah. says, you know, and yeah. then he says, uh, you know, Mr. George Clooney, right. That type of thing. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, my, my wife's boyfriend, that's what he says. My wife's boyfriend, Mr. Mr. George Clooney. Right. And people laugh 
And they, and they, they respond to him and they, they'll send it back and they go, that was really funny. I appreciate that. Right. That's what we're looking for is to start to build a, because remember behind every corporate buying decision is a personal agenda. So we must address both of those. And what, what doesn't hit in the emails that you're talking about with you and I, that, that, that we receive and everybody else does Mm. is they're talking about a potential corporate agenda without addressing the human nature to which it's attached to. Yeah, the 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 person with the personal agenda. There was a there's a message I got. It's like the third or fourth in a sequence the other day, um, and I just wanted to smack the screen. You know, gee, I'm sorry if I seem persistent for emailing you again, but you didn't respond. I'm thinking, that's right, I didn't respond. I didn't respond. That was the signal. You, it's not my it's not my monkey to unsubscribe. Especially since I never, never, you know, said you have permission to, permission to bombard me yeah. in the first place. And watching the watching the 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 fads and fashions of of cold email, the fake uh, re in the subject line, the fake forward in the subject line that worked, and then that got old and tired and stuff. <laughs> like, ah, this is this is this is uh, it's exhausting. And at the same time, there's some degree of that's the sea you're swimming in, even if you sit down and spend half an hour learning about someone's company and try and do a genuine, sincere, look, I think there's a huge opportunity for both of us. Can we talk? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, look, people are, are like all of us, but they don't want to get emails like that. Yeah. that are being sent out, you know, but those people are running the odds, right? They, they're probably putting those emails yeah. out from somewhere, even not even the United States, <laughs> they might be coming from a different server yeah. where, yeah. you know, they're paying a thousand dollars a month and they, they'll continuously send out emails to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they're running the numbers, you know, if there's a hundred thousand emails that go out and we get a 2% response, you know, we got 2000 and then that's what they're doing. So um, I, you know, if you're selling anything of substance or tangibility, uh, that has value to it. I wouldn't send that type of email ever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There was a. I can't remember what the magazine was. It, I'm thinking it was Fortune, but back in the late '90s, mid to late '90s, when people were first starting to get email addresses and SMTP internet email had won won the day. Some article put Bill Gates' Microsoft address, Bill G at Microsoft.com. Like in in this article about email, <laughs> of course he just got boom flooded, okay. right? Yeah. Yeah. And you know those of us who work in that you know in the digital sphere, or particularly with email, for a long time, we're like, why did it take a magazine article to make this you know obvious? But it did, and that prompted uh, that prompted Gates to talk about the at the the beginning of the problem of spam at the time. Right, and he said, you know, they're a pity with with email is that there's no cost to send. Right. If we put a cost of a penny a send on every email server out there, we'd have a lot less spurious behavior because oh, yeah. that offshore, I'm going to send thousands of them. Uh, you know, 2%, 2% success is 98%. You, you're a pain in everybody else's behind mm-hmm. filling up their inbox, but it's okay. Somehow it's acceptable. Well, it's, it, you know, in certain places like Europe, it's become less acceptable. Yes. Right. So they've been putting in uh, all kinds of laws Mm -hmm. to, you know, and and in my humble opinion, a little bit beyond reasonable, some of the stuff that they're asking for. Um, But I understand why they're doing it right They're They're because of that reason. 
Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I love the idea of, Hey, if you send an email, it costs you a penny because they're not going to send in a million emails anymore. Right. Right. right? right. They'll have to, the game will have to get real. Yeah. And I bet somebody like, um, Bill Gates or Google or MailChimp or whoever, you know, <laughs> would be, would be more than happy to charge a penny an email, you know, and collect the revenue coming in. So, yeah. um, I think it's a good idea. And, you know, for those of us who do have the freedom to send, you know, again, if you send a personalized email, mm -hmm. that's not going to be construed as spam, even right. by the law in Europe. Right, right, right. For the most part, right? I mean, yeah, you didn't, you know, they were on a list, you didn't know it, but it wasn't that spammy email. So when the, the government official looks at it in higher probability, it's going to be like, well, look, you know, this guy's trying to build a relationship with you. He's not or she's not, or they're not doing whatever. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it just, it's just much more favorable. And the, and the reality is if people, like you said, they took time to research yeah. and sent a thoughtful connecting type email to somebody, mm -hmm. instead of sending 500 of these things, you could send 20 of them and yeah. get better response. Right. Think, think of the, think of the relationship and invest in that. Don't just hit, don't just hit the mail merge. But. Yeah, I mean, mail merge as it's as 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 it's you know, if you have a list yeah. and people are subscribing, it it has its purpose, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But for cold outreach, I it has its purpose too. I just you know, here's the other thing that people don't think about: what if you send 500 emails and 500 people respond to you? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And they all want personalized one-on-one -on -one meetings right. and they all need it in the next 30 days. How are you going to do that? What are you going right? to, what are you going to do? I've watched the, um, I've watched the evolution of, uh, of text and mobile messaging with a good deal of curiosity over the last, you know, the last couple of decades. Um, and there was a, there was a moment where it looked like that might become a, a, a common form for everybody. I don't think that's going to happen. Now, for, for a variety of both technical and privacy reasons, but I still get the occasional unsolicited inbound text, and somehow that's much more bothersome. Oh yeah, because it's it's firstly it pops up on your phone a lot of times, or it makes a noise, right? Yep. So it's yep. interrupting, interrupting, and then you you're like, wow, oh, just this might be important, so you check it. Yep, yep. And then it's like, uh, you know, I had like three or four of them on my phone in the last two weeks, and and it's kind of you check the message and it's like, Hey, uh, you know, make a thousand dollars a day. Um, you know, blah, 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 go yeah. to this, yeah. you know, bitly link, you yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And yeah. it's like block block. Think, right. Yeah. Because there's no, you know, you, you might be expecting a, a, a text message from somebody that you care about or important or whatever. Right. Yeah. And you know, like if you sent me a message or I sent you a message, you know, You'd probably be like, oh, hey, Doug, how you doing, right? Um, but uh, uh, that type of spammy yeah. type of thing, you know, there is a market for that and it works, but it's mm. not something that I would employ yeah, or recommend me, anybody. Me neither. It's, uh, it's, it's such, a high, such a high psychological cost interrupt that you're really going to backfire if I didn't want it. Um, or if, you know, I don't even know who you are. It's not like we remember phone numbers. So the unknown phone numbers sort of automatically, uh, oh, yeah. are you, are you, you know, like you or people on your team getting the volume of, of spurious robo calls as well? They're making me nuts. It used to be really bad. Yeah. Uh, for some reason it's backed off. 
Um, you know, they have they have robocall blockers, blockers. you know, that you can AI you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And um, but it used to be bad. But what I love are the ones that actually are using computers that are um sound human. <laughs> I mean, yes. they sound yes. yes. And so I can always tell when they're a computer by the way they ask the question. Mm -hmm. So I know there's a person pushing buttons on the other side. Yeah. So being a sales you know, professional, I, I play with them. I'm like, you know, <laughs> they'll go, you know, you know, you know, you know, the, the old, how you doing today line comes up most of the time with these things. And, you know, yeah. it's like, I, I will play with them. My kid, my, my, my daughters are like that. I can't believe you say these type of things, but the, you know, the reality is they'll call in they'll say, Hey, this is uh, John calling from ABC painting company. You know, how you doing today? Right. And I go, well, quite frankly, I found out I have venereal disease and, um, <laughs> and my doctor says I might have less than a week to live. Um, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm going cool. on my, you know, my wife's rolling her eyes. Right. And, and, and then they come back on and they don't know what to do. They don't know what button to push or they'll come back and say, oh, I'm sorry. I say, well, why are you sorry? Are you the one who passed along the venereal disease? Right. I will say stuff like this. And then eventually you'll just hear it go click. Yeah, right? yeah. Because I I do this because I like to have fun with people. Number one, but the the uh, I want to see what their responses are, mm. right? Because that type of technology is not a bad technology if they used it appropriately. It's like every tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been getting a ton of, and I don't know why, a ton of calls where there's silence. On the other side, and I got to assume the agenda is voice sampling. So increasingly, if I don't recognize the number, I'll answer and not say a word because a person would go, you know, hi, is anybody there? They could hear the pickup. Right, exactly. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 the fake call is going to not know what to do with that. Thinking, wow. So it's cost effective to call millions of people at random. And, yep. and sound sample the silence. Oh, okay. Well, because they're using VoIP technology or some type of internet yeah. technology, yeah. right? Yeah. So there's no termination charges yeah. at the telecommunications end. I mean, if we, yeah. you know, when we were charged for long distance, you know, it'd go from the local company to the, the regional company to yeah. the long distance company back to the local company. And that's how we made a call. Everyone wanted to get paid. You just dated. You just dated both of us because I'm I'm <laughs> chuckling in appreciation and and remembrance of. We used to talk to the grandparents on Christmas Eve because it was so expensive on Christmas. Oh, absolutely! Right. And you know, AT and T made a <laughs> you know a lot of money a making lot of people money. feel guilty because they're not calling their mother on Mother's Day. You know, right? But the reason they did that is, I mean, long distance could be you know fifty cents a minute. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, some long distance bills with uh, you know college girlfriends or whatever that oh definitely boy. created some problems. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got a completely off-topic question for you. If you're okay with it, do you still find time to sing? Actually, I'm finding more time now than I ever have before. Yeah? Yeah, because I, I, I'm at a place in life now where it's like, I want to make a good quality living, mm -hmm. but I don't have to prove to the world anymore how smart I am, mm -hmm. right? That type of thing. Yeah. Because, you know, we all grow up in certain, I grew up in an environment where good was never going to be good enough. Okay. And um, so to prove I'm good or good, good enough. I always have to be number one. I always had to be there, you know, and, yeah. and, um, and I always tried to do it respectfully. And, and most times I was, but mm -hmm. I'm at a place now where I step back and I just, just did this a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know what? 
one of the mistakes that business owners make is they don't build out a life's plan first. Hmm. They start a business and then they adapt their life to the business. Hmm. And, and I've certainly been more than guilty from doing that, you know, getting up early in the morning, getting up at five o'clock, work until midnight, go to bed at one o'clock, get back up, you know, that hmm. type of thing. But what I realized that this place in my life now is music is really more important to me than it even was when I was in my rock and roll days, you know, with the, with the, you know, with the bands. Yeah. So I now, but it's a different appreciation now, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely, I've, I'm making time to do it. Yeah. And that's part of my life's thing. Cause I sat down and said, okay, what do I really want my life to be? How much money do I actually want to make? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I know some people think here in this, if they're entrepreneurial, they go, well, that's crazy. Not really. Not really. <laughs> Good for you. you. Know? <laughs> it's, it's not because we all think we have tomorrow or even this afternoon and we don't. Yeah. 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 Right. One day that'll end. So I look at this and I say, okay, what's the quality of life I want? Yeah. Now I'm going to build my business. Like, you know, my business is being built around uh, all of that. I want, That's you know, awesome. not only the traveling, I want the ability to, you know, have time during the day to have quality conversations mm -hmm. with the people I care about. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, I had looked at, I, for, if you're listening on the podcast, I had read through Doug's uh, LinkedIn bio and noted that he was at Berkeley College of Music. That's in as vocal major, I think, and that's how I knew about singing. What what kind of stuff do you like to do now? Music wise, yeah, or just uh, music wise. I still love rock. Yeah, and, and you what know, kind? I'm I'm 59 years old, and and obviously my children think I'm too old to be a rock star now. Yeah. But the <laughs> I disagree with that. Yes, um, but. You know, uh, I thought of starting a band and calling it 50, you know, 55 plus or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so, you know, because I, I was involved, as you know, with some of the biggest musicians in the world at the time, you know, back when I was was doing this. And, mm -hmm. you know, for your listeners, um, you know, I mean, I worked with Boston. I worked with Aerosmith. I worked with Billy Joel's band. I worked, you know, those type of people. Yeah. Wow. And I had a great time. It was a wonderful time in my life. Yeah. Um, and I just decided I don't want to be on a tour bus 300 days a year for five years straight. Right. That's, that's kind of what Not a life either. Yeah. And you know, and that's okay for people like the great for dead, they did it their whole life and they, and they liked it. Right. So, yeah. um, but I, I just, you know, I was going to have a family. I wanted some different things. Uh, I just wanted to, but really now more than ever, Matthew, I'm going back toward things like the theater and you know really? musicals and yeah because it gets me a chance to to sing but it gives me yeah. a chance to also perform act in yeah. a live setting you yeah. know when these things come back more yeah um and i'm doing a lot more songwriting than i have in in the past as well excellent wow so, yeah. that's a i didn't know you had a theater um theater bug as well that was actually my first career um so i uh i totally get well, there is a high correlation between sales, music, and theater, like the high, you know, because in sales, you know, you can be the constructive person that, that provides logical information, mm -hmm. but we also have to be kind of that entertainer, right? So it's, you yeah. know, we got to provide information and entertainment 
and it's got to be kind of balanced. And you also have to be, uh, actually, I think the next person, the next guest on the podcast who I'm talking with next week is my friend Skip Fedora. And he had mentioned that his daughter had the theater bug. Um, and I, I, we were emailing back and forth. And I, I, unfortunately, I sent him this page long rant about why that was great. He's like, <laughs> if she's going to go, you know, go off in college and, and study theater, trust me, she's learning stuff that'll pay off the, her entire life for all the reasons you just mentioned. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I do when I do live sales trainings uh, is I'll, I'll, I'll take and I'll do an improv- improvisation uh, yeah. session, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people, like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of scripts. I don't mind scripts. Mm-hmm. I don't mind templated stuff mm. for people to look at and follow, mm. but I want it to sound natural. And so when we take these things and we put them into the improv side, they've got to spontaneously react to it in order to keep the improv going. And what's nice about that is it trains the, the human brain on how to do that in, in sales as well. You know, it's okay to have formulas. Like I have formulas when I take people through discovery calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not, I'm not. Formula. Going step one, step two, step Road. three, step four, because they might go from step one to step five. Yeah. And the problem with using a script yeah. is yeah. the person you t- that we're speaking with, yeah. they don't know you have a script and they don't know what their part is. The script. Well, is. That's precisely why. That's precisely why you threw the VD monkey wrench in the phone call, right? Is mm-hmm. to, is to see if they were actually listening, not just following the rote steps. Exactly. Script, having a little <laughs> having a little fun with their with their structure. Yeah. The other the other thing about uh, musicians and mu- music and theater background, I, I think is you really have to listen if you're you know if you're part of an ensemble. You have to listen to what the other guys are doing. Yeah, without question, because sometimes uh, your bandmates will not do what you're doing. <laughs> right, right. Or yeah, or you're like the drummer the drummer's lagging so you better adapt or the whole thing's going to cut up all the Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and and in music as you know, there's all of these dynamic things going on. Yeah. And you still have the audience, mm-hmm. you know, the reactions of that, the sound, light people, everything's going on. So it's not just, you know, people think that you know, I don't know, Paul McCartney gets up and you know, probably today he does. Um gets up on stage and, you know, and everything just goes perfect, right? Because I was just, um, I don't know if you know, Matthew, but I used to be a professional DJ as well, right? So that oh, was, really? yeah. Cool. So I, I did lots of high-end corporate events and uh-huh. weddings, high-end stuff, like really, okay. you know, $200 plus a plate type stuff. Okay. And I was one of the top guys in the Boston area doing it at that time. And, um, you know, for reviews and, 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 and getting paid quite a bit. I mean, we used to get paid two to $3,000 wow. a job as a yeah. DJ. Wow. Nice. Right. Um, but the, the reality is that I was just saying this today. So somebody asked me this question, actually it was my wife. She asked me this question, what was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to you out on in, in the <laughs> DJ world? Right. So <laughs> I'm telling her stories. She's like, are you kidding me? You know, uh, we used to do this. Um, I remember this one time we used to do this, uh, choreographed thing with, with, in a wedding, when New York, New York was a big song to do at a wedding. Okay. But what we used to do is we'd get the whole bridal party, the whole audience out on the dance floor around the bride and groom. And I would say things like, you know, Hey, Joey and uh, Melissa are, are, you know, so grateful. They love each and every one of you. They thank you for being here. 
uh, really appreciate you. And then the crowd would go, yeah, that's great. You know, whatever. Right. And then I'd say, you know, in fact, they, they appreciate you so much that they told me that they're going to take you on a trip with them. And, and, and now Joey and Melissa are looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and, and I'm like, in fact, they also told me that all expenses are going to be paid out of pocket, 100% from them for you. And now the crowd's like, whoa, I'm like, folks, lock your arms together. Let's get around these two lovebirds a little more. And we bring them in. I'm going to move in a little bit more. In fact, right now, Joey and Melissa are going to take you all the way to New York City. And that was the cue from New York, New York to kick in. Yeah. Right. And as soon as it did, people, you know, I would get them starting to sing and they're dancing. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, the videographer loved me. She sure. goes, it's like, oh, my gosh, they're all these pictures. Right. Um, <laughs> but one time I said all the way to New York city. And what I heard was funky town. Right? <laughs> so it was like, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> they cued the wrong music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you learn in those situations in music or in theater or production, how to recover very quickly. Mm. Yeah. And that is a must yeah. in human to human communication and yeah. sales. Yeah. 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 And, and not, and to not, Take to to not crash to a halt and and apologize. Why? Because you you know it happens. You get happens. used to the fact that it's going to happen. Like, oh, you dropped the line. Yeah, someone's dropped the line. Oh, it's going to exactly. And what I said in that case was, I said, but before we go to New York, we're going to Funky Town, right? So yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Right. <laughs> so because you stay in the moment. Absolutely, and and quite frankly, most of the people didn't even know there was anything different. And I'm then sure. then yeah. the the person caught my vocal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, uh, over the, the loudspeakers and they went, oops, got the wrong thing. So they put, and they, yeah. they started bringing and faded back into the right song. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, you know, it was a blip for yeah. 20 seconds yeah. and, 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 and people loved it. It's a good story though. It's a good story. So you are finding time to sing rock and roll. I am. I Absolutely. am uh, to, to the, uh, I, I'm not sure to the pleasure or, or disagreement of my, of my, doesn't my, matter. my daughters, but um, <laughs> daughters are how old? 2022. 20, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. And, and they, both, uh, they, they both uh, have been in either theater. Well, both of them have been in theater, ballet and or, okay. uh, you know, music. And yeah. um, they, I, I don't know. I used to say, thank God you got the voice of your mother, but I mean, their, their vocal quality and, and, you know, compared to mine is just amazingly uh better. Nice. Um, wow. and yeah, so they're in, they're really smart and they, uh, they're good kids and, you know, I love them obviously. So, um, you know, I'm a proud dad in that regard as well. So, but you know, I, I'm finding them very like using music as a leverage point, like my oldest daughter, uh, Rebecca, or even Jacqueline, my youngest daughter, but Rebecca, one time I went and she, she was doing a speech and it was kind of like she was graduating from something. So they asked her to come up and do a speech. And when she got up there, she knew how to work the audience like, um, like crazy. I was like, yeah. I'm like, okay, that's me. Right. I, I know that's me <laughs> Yeah. Um, because, yeah. you know, she was able to tell, you know, clean, nice jokes and, and pull the audience in and she just knew how to do it naturally. So I'm like, okay, well, hanging out with me and, probably Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes and all these other people yeah, yeah, actually yeah. paid off right yeah. in ways that I never thought. 
but uh, they're both very, you know, capable salespeople. So, so from a father's perspective, I don't even worry about them financially because they're just, they're, they're going to be fine no matter what. Nice. Nice. And, and, and they're going to use those skills, whatever they're doing. Doesn't have to have a sales label on. No, 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 no. My, my, my oldest daughter is uh, into hair, cosmetology, that type Uh of thing, right? She, she loves that. But, you know, in her brain, it's like, okay, how do I sell lots of product? Because that's where the profit is in, in, in the, in that business, right? Mm -hmm. In the, in the cosmetic world and all of the other things that whatever they do there. Um, and, you know, in her mind, she's, she's talking to me about that. I'd like to maybe open up 12 locations over my lifetime and mm-hmm. da, da, da. And I'm like, Oh gosh, all right, let's have a conversation. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, she just turned, tw- tw- she's turning 22 uh, soon. And, um, you know, I think that's a good, good sign for a person that age to really be kind of, hyper-focused on what do they want to do and what kind of lifestyle do they want? Yeah. It, it does seem like my, I have, I have two sons in their similar in age, a little, just slightly older. Um, it does seem like their generation is a little more likely to be thinking about doing their own thing, running their own business than, than, you know, than our, than our 22 year olds were. Oh yeah. For several reasons. Uh, one, they watched our generation you know, go, go to school, get a, get a degree, you know, go work for a company and you'll be happy kid. Right. And then they've watched their parents grow up and and all of a sudden, you know, two, three, four layoffs or whatever's happening to them. And the parents are all stressed out and they're like, ah, it's not going to be for me. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not even going to go, uh, work for under $60,000 a year. I'm not even going to, it's not even going to be in my entertainment of my mind. A lot of the, you know, well, an um, entrepreneur wasn't a word. <laughs> no, no, no. But I mean, it was for me because my dad was, you know, I started working with him at the age of three in his business. So, okay, wow, cool. you know, um, it was for me because I grew up that way, but I, you know, I would go to school from eight o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock and I was out of school by 10 45, 11 o'clock. And I went right to work for his company. Okay. Wow. So I, you know, for me, it was just kind of normal. Like this is what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, and I'm sure he hired me for less, you know, labor costs than, than he would have had to hire a you know, person three times my age, but the um, you know, but it, I, I also think he taught me a lot of lessons that I still carry with me sure. today through doing what he did. And so, you know, I did the same thing with my, my daughters. I mean, I had them, they were in their first tax seminar when they were five years old, um, you know, and people thought they were adorable. Yeah. Right. And they're very well mannered and they were sitting there and they're trying to, you know, cause I know absorption, you know, osmosis of information will get, would get, you know, brought in, in some capacity. And that's what I was hoping for them. Yeah. And I can see them now at their, their young age, especially, you know, when we're talking about email or we're talking about whatever, they are far less tolerant of that than I am. Certainly. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Because there, there's a, there's a certain standard that they feel that everybody, you know, in social media or in email or in, you know, and so I asked them, I said, is this just you two? And they're like, no, 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 dad. It's like everybody we hang out with, you know, this is, you know, you have to have a certain, way about you in social media, right? And you're highly judged in social media based on that's how you do this. And so true. they're teaching me all this stuff that, yeah. you know, is coming up from their generation. Yeah. And, you know, 
where I'm like, well, okay, if there's a typo here and there, who cares? If I helped you make $2 million, you're not going to care if I have two typos in my whatever, right? But they're, they're telling me in their generation, and I found in Europe, especially like over in Eastern Europe, even more, they judge you immediately off off the off those type of things. Well, there's a. I'm working on a, a side project with a friend of mine, uh, and we were <laughs> both in long term relationships. So he's like, "We're going to sign up, and we're going to sign up and look on his phone at Tinder." He said, "I got to tell the." I said, "I got to tell her I'm doing this because of this business <laughs> project." But he was swiping through, and he said, "It's literally." First impression, swipe this way or swipe that way. Like that's that's what you've got, right? Is that photo impression right lead to anything else? And and your daughter's you know your daughter's generation like their their acuity and speed at processing all of those little cues. It's quite yeah. astonishing, really. Well, like, they're a lot faster than I am. Yeah, I can tell yeah, you that yeah, for sure, yeah, right? Sure, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I know, I know, you know, they learn from. <laughs> You know, it's the old thing. You, you know, my mother used to say this to me when I was growing up and I never understood it when I was growing up and nor did I agree with it when I was growing up. You know, when I was younger, she said, Doug, it's, it's really sad that, uh, you know, wisdom is wasted on the old and energy is wasted on the youth. <laughs> right? And I'd be like, mom, that's ridiculous. You know, right. and I'm, what do I know? I'm 13, 14 years old. She's saying right. these things to me. Right? right. But now as I become 59, I realize exactly what she's saying, because, yeah. you know, I deal with hundreds, if not thousands of people sometimes a month and have conversations, yeah. whether it's in a group environment or, or one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of these people have the wisdom of sort of given up, right? They, they, they get huh. to that place, but I'm seeing a resurgence of the over 60 crowd now, the over 50 crowd, right? Where they're they're like, there's a resurgence going on. And I think in part, it's because of the internet, because of social media, because now they're realizing, you know what? I don't have to, in my twilight or late years, I don't have to retire. I can go build a tiny $100,000 a year business help a bunch of people because I am wise, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom to me. Knowledge is yeah. you get the information. Wisdom is you've made so many, you know, you've learned from the mistakes, right? So we can teach them the mistakes. And I find a lot of people now in that generation are coming toward the online side and they're, they're starting smaller education type businesses, mm-hmm. which is really cool. That is cool. That is cool. It's a, maybe we have a way of of passing on some of those lessons that's better than just saying goodbye and watching them sail off in an RV. Yeah. And, and the, and the, the, the challenge for, you know, for people, if we don't embrace those people, these people have experience. I mean, they have life's experience and, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you can't buy that unless you can buy it in the form of, you know, talking to somebody like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I see the younger folks coming up, you know, not my daughters, but a lot of the younger folks coming up, they don't have a concept on how to do basic business skills or uh, how to conversationally sell. They don't. So um, it's, I got a call the other day. I was on a call and the gentleman asked me, he said, hey, would you be interested? I won't name the university um, because, <laughs> because of the, everybody would know it. Um, but, you know, they have an entrepreneurial program here. And, and, you know, I have six universities that my stuff is in, and and I would like them to talk to you because the number one challenge that all these, these entrepreneurs and these entrepreneurial programs are having is they don't know how to sell. Hmm. Yep. 
I'm right. Sure. So they come up with these great ideas. The kids are really, you know, and I mean, they're SaaS companies. They're, you know, I mean, they walk technical circles around me, um, even though I have a technical background. But what they don't understand is exactly what we've been talking about through this whole thing. How do you have a communication loop that is proactive in building a relationship mm-hmm. that leads to conversations that leads to sales? Yeah. Yeah. And it leads to leads to relationships that may not be sales now, but that in itself is a much more important outcome, right? I had a well, without question, because if we can enhance somebody's life or better somebody's life, like even what we're doing here on this podcast, if this if one idea sparks somebody and goes, Wow, okay, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, yeah. Right. But now I get it. I I see it that way. And I think I'll embrace that. And they try it and it goes and it's successful. Yeah. It's worth the, it's worth doing it, right? Because we just keep planting seeds everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And before you know it, you walk back to that location and you go, "Wow, there's a there's a tree there." There's a right? tree there. Yeah. And forest. you know, and I've I've had that happen where I've helped people six, seven, eight years prior, and mm-hmm. you know, they just asked me some advice. I told them the advice of what I would do mm-hmm. um, based on my life's experience, mm-hmm. and they went and implemented, and I hadn't seen them for seven years. They come back and they go, yeah, I got a $33 million company, something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, well, what happened? You know, <laughs> well, over the last seven years, I've been building this thing up. And, you know, that that conversation we had in the, you know, the hotel lobby, yeah. you know, or whatever it was, um, really kind of orientated myself to think, okay, I probably should do this instead of that. And so I, I did that and it worked out and I got funding or whatever it might be. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I, I really think it's important for us because, I mean, really, Matthew, you can't take all this with you, right? So you might as well enjoy it while we're here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't, they don't go through spreadsheets at your funeral. <laughs> There's That's always funny. musicians, though. <laughs> That's funny. I've got, do I have permission to use that one? <laughs> oh, abso- absolutely, absolutely. It's like, yeah, the, this, this, the, it's the, it's the digital. You can't take it with you, right? Right. Wait, that line you used, that's in uh that's in uh that's in uh, wonderful life. The guy in the t-shirt's like, ah, youth is wasted on the wrong people. That's kind of what your mother was saying. Oh, interesting. Man, I wonder if that's where my mom got it from. I mean, she was born in 1934. That, so I that, don't know. That movie did not get popular until the rights slipped over to the public domain and Turner started broadcasting it over and over on the holiday. Oh, okay. It's actually forgotten for like 30 years. And then it, it because of the timing of the changes of uh, copyright law, it and someone I believe someone bobbled the copyright renewal. That movie went into the public domain, so Turner could broadcast it without paying a cent. Oh, cool! For a span of time there, and now it's you know it's immortal class. One of my favorite movies, but for good reason. But it was under you know it was undiscovered for a while. Well, here we go. I managed to chew up well over an hour of your time, but what a heck of a conversation! Thank you. Yeah, I've had a good time here. It's been fun. Oh, yeah, likewise. Last question before I let you go. Any book recommendations aside from Sales Dogs? Uh, aside from my book? <laughs> oh, that's right. You, I saw author but I saw author by your name, but I didn't yeah. traverse down. What's the title of your book? So I wrote a book called Win-Win Selling, Unlocking the Power of Profitability by Resolving Objections. Okay. And it's really about communication. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I put it in objections is because, you know, the, the hardest thing for salespeople or people selling companies, people, whoever owners is, you know, getting enough leads. Yeah. 
okay. uh, which I'm writing a book on now. And Good. the second thing is, how do I handle objections? Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand. And so I go deep into the psychology and the philosophy about how objections actually manifest in, in a conversation. And believe it or not, they all start from our youth. And so the things we were taught in our youth, we carry forward in habits, mm -hmm. right? In a lot of ways. Yeah. And so I talk about frames and I talk about, you know, how to change frames and, and why frames come about and, you know, how things actually evolved, you know, because we learn things from our grandparents. So we learn things from our parents. So we learn things from any of our caretakers. Mm -hmm. And then we start habituating the behavior. So I'll give you an example. Um, it's not an objection, but my dad, when I worked for him all those years, he built the business on his back. He was, he was a really smart guy, but he didn't build a business of leverage. He had employees, mm -hmm. but everything came back to him. Okay. So for the first, you know, from my time, I was like 20 to the time I was about 35. Guess what I did, <laughs> right? Monkey see, monkey do, so to speak, right? Uh, in the old statement. But the, and so we do that with communication as well. So if you grew up, if some one grew up in an environment, and I've seen this happen so many times in sales, you know, um, one grew up in an environment that everything has to be negotiated, hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. I've seen people in sales literally where the buyer goes, yeah, okay, I'll take it. And they go, yeah, but let's talk about this, right? It, let, let's renegotiate this. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like kicking them under the table, like just push the paper yeah. forward. They said, yes, yeah, right? Yes, and, yeah. and I've literally seen people undo sales. I mean, there was a real estate agent one time. This couple had this house and it was a couple million dollar house and, you know, 6% commission on $2 million, right? 120 grand. And the real estate agent's showing it and the and the the wife is like, I really want this house. And the husband's going, well, hon, I don't know. It's kind of at a higher end. Da, da, da. And um, and so their husband and wife's going back and forth, back and forth. And I'm listening to this and I'm in, this, in, the, in the room going back and forth, back and forth. And she goes, yeah, I really want. He goes, well, I guess we could do that. I guess we could do that. She goes, hon, it will make me really happy. And he goes, well, I guess that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, we could, we could stretch it a little bit. And the real estate agent literally said this, you know, guys, this is a really important decision for you. You know, where you live and what you do is extremely important. So what I'm going to ask you guys to do is why don't you take the night and think it over? And I'm like, you have to be kidding me. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Now, the crazy part of this story is they didn't buy from this person. And they went and bought a house that was $400,000 more than they were asking for the house there. So it wasn't a situation that they couldn't do it. Yeah. It was a situation that the real estate agent in her own way heard this as an objection yeah. going back and forth between the husband and wife and her empathy kicked in versus serving them with like a moral obligation that they want this house, they'll be happy. Yeah. She let that scripting kick in and she threw the objection out, which stopped the whole sale. Fascinating. And you say a lot of that'll be patterned in youth. Oh, it, it totally. I mean, if you think about it, you know, um, and, and in the book, I go through it more detail, but uh, it, you know, the, the, the language patterns that, that somebody uses mm -hmm. gets passed on. And once it's absorbed in, you know, like, uh, 
you know, the, the old, uh, you know, Hey grandpa, you, you know, you want to take me out to, uh, you know, play ball? Well, I can't do that right now. Right, well, right. Wh- why not? Why, you know, why grandpa? Right. Well, I'm really busy, you know, maybe, maybe later. Cats right? in the cradle, right? Yeah. Maybe later. Right. The cats in the cradle. Right. So maybe later. Well, grandpa, what, why? Well, because I said so, you know, it's that type of conversation, which people think, you know, Hey, what's wrong with that conversation? But then, you know, uh, he, he or she, they learn how to be put off by grandpa. Right. Mm-hmm. So now fast forward years, they're selling, they're talking with an older dominant male and the dominant male is going, yeah, I can't see you right now. You know what? Uh, call me in a, call me in three months mm-hmm. and they go, okay. Right. Where that older person who is a driving personality is testing the salesperson to see, do they have the metal to actually stand up to them mm-hmm. in order to gain mutual respect? Because that's the type of sales professional they want. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, I go into the book on different scenarios like this because people, when they read it, they go, wow, geez, I'd never even thought of things like this. And, yeah. You know, and the reason I wrote the book is I couldn't find anything on it anyway. You know, people saying, well, if they say this, you say that. And that's, that doesn't work most of the time. Yeah, but you can't keep all in your head. No, no. And plus, you know, you might say they say this and then they say that back. And all of a sudden it's like that drives more fear into the buyer because there was no thought of what what is the human connection that's going on. Right, right, right. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to reading it. I'm going to get my hands on it. Thank you. Well, cool. I'm going to wrap us up. Thank you, Doug. This has been a wonderful conversation. My guest has been Doug C. Brown. You can find his business at businesssuccessfactors.com. And and Doug, thanks so much for the time. Matthew, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hi, Dr. Matthew Dunn here. Thank you so much for listening to The Future of Email. If you're an email industry exec or marketer and you're interested in being a guest, please apply at campaigngenius.io slash futureofemail. If this interview was useful for you, please consider sharing it. Grab a screenshot and post it and text it. And of course, email it to your friends. If you know someone who you think would be a good guest, tag them in your post and include the hashtag future of email. I really appreciate seeing guest suggestions. It helps us a ton to keep the show interesting. We do put out new episodes and new content fairly regularly. To keep up, I would suggest subscribing. Your sharing, your rating, your reviews are the key to promoting to the show, and they mean a ton to me and to the team here. If you want to know more, go to our website, campaigngenius.io slash futureofemail, or follow me on LinkedIn. Search for Dr. Matthew Dunn. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.